Everyone, it's Dr. Michael Wald, and today's show topic is ending pain naturally. Now, I know that some of you experience quite a lot of pain, and have undoubtedly listened to other shows and read materials that uh, suggest that you could just take some chondroitin sulfate and all your pain will be gone. Well, many of you know that that's not true. So, what I plan on doing here for the next hour is to talk about the many complex ways in which uh, pain arises and how to approach it naturally in the real world. Meaning, I treat many patients with chronic pain syndromes and after a while of seeing one person after the next suffering, it forces you to really take a hard look at what you're doing to find out what really works. Now, the what works for each person with chronic pain depends on lots of things as you might imagine. Number one, what sort of pain are we talking about? Well, there may be more than one pain syndrome. Is it an aching pain in the abdomen? Is it a sharp pain going down the leg like sciatica might feel? Or a boring, deep pain? Uh, many, pain has many expressions. And the many expressions usually indicate clues to how to naturally approach the condition. So what I'm gonna do is begin by first describing what acute pain is and what chronic pain is. And then I'll talk about some dietary mm -hmm. concepts that are pretty essential for dealing with acute and chronic pain. I'll talk more about the expressions of pain, how you experience pain, and then the origins of pain, which by the way, all pain is mediated through your nervous system. Without a nervous system, you would not feel pain. And we'll discuss many examples of various pain syndromes that all involve the nervous system. And if that's true, and we know it is, then if we focus a good deal of our nutritional efforts towards revitalizing the nervous system, then that takes us a long way towards resolving pain. No talk about pain would be complete unless I discuss what tests might be appropriate, certain treatments, whether they be medical or nutritional, and of course, other forms of natural approaches that are tailored to the individual. And as I've said in other blood detective shows, we really want to be careful not to simply give lip service to treating the individual's pain. Because what we must do is find out what, is, what exactly is causing the pain, what tissues are degenerating to what extent, how much is there in an inflammatory process, maybe there's a circulatory process, there may be a hormonal or a toxic process or any combination of those triggers or more. And all of this so far would lend itself to determining what nutritional supplements we might use for our pain. We have to talk about exercise. Exercise may have caused pain and arthritis for some of you, but there's usually some form of movements such as physical therapy, certain chiropractic modalities, for example, acupuncture and others. And forgive me if I left anyone out, this is not meant to be exclusive, uh, I'm simply, we, we just have an hour. But I am going to pick what I think are the, the best exercises, the best nutritional supplements, the best anti-inflammatory foods, 
and foods to stay away from. Now, for those of you who are new to the show, you're listening to Ask the Blood Detective. I am the original blood detective. I was given that name by a grateful patient, and it's changed my whole orientation, identifying myself as a blood detective when I approach, when I approach people's pain syndromes, let alone any other uh, chronic health problems. And think about it. If you were told to be aware of vegetables that you might be exposed to in a given day, you're going to be more adept at identifying them and you might let other things out that are in your, you know, your life because you've been asked to focus in one way. So what I've done for this talk is I've been focusing on pain syndromes and treatments for a good two hours uh, just for the purpose of putting together some notes uh, for this show. I don't like to do these shows if I can help it off the cuff I mean, I have done some of them. and In fact, I've done some radio shows, you may not know this, literally on my way rushing to an airport to, to get to a different city to lecture. I remember going to LaGuardia not that long ago, and I did the calcium show uh, in the uh, limo, and I ended exactly as I got there. I was stepping out of the car, gave my final thank yous, and I ended the show. It happened to work out just fine. But because pain is such a pervasive problem in our modern day lives, I thought that the best thing to do was give this the, the time that it deserves because you deserve that. You know, I suffer from very little discomforts. From time to time, I, my feet might be sore from running, for example, but nothing that limits me from doing anything I want to do in this life. And when I'm able to do that, it makes me realize how very lucky I am and how uh, many people simply cannot appreciate life to its fullest. So this show is dedicated to living your life to, to the fullest. So I'd like you to listen to this information as if your life depended on it. Now, whether you're the person with pain or it's someone you know or love, listen as if it were you because you will listen differently. You'll get more out of it. And then as you translate that information to your friends, it might make a real difference in their lives. So here we go. Let's start with the basics. Acute versus chronic pain. So acute pain by definition, depending on whose textbook you read, is pain that is, is lasting for about uh, two, possibly three weeks. Anything beyond that is considered chronic. And a whole set of degenerative changes and physiologic changes occur in the body when tissues enter the chronic stage. Now, the thing to realize is that the right time, the right type, I should say, of, of physical therapy and movements and exercises, um, for example, like getting regular exercise of the type that you need based upon your pain, not only helps to reduce stress in the body, but when you add healthy foods, all of these activities tend to reduce the inflammation of both acute and chronic pain. What's interesting too is this, a vegan or, or Mediterranean or training diet, excuse me about that, a vegan or Mediterranean diet, these sorts of diets help control insulin better and cholesterol levels and reduce inflammation in most people. The thing though is that you can't simply, listen to this, and this is a quote from the physiology, from the Journal of Physiology and Medical Rehabilitation. Research is providing compelling evidence 
For what Hippocrates said, let food be thy medicine, and medicine be thy food. Despite this, most graduating physicians receive only a few hours of instruction about nutrition and coaching to help patients change their eating habits. Appropriate nutritional interventions may be one of the most useful tools doctors have to improve overall outcomes in their patients and specifically reduce inflammation. That is a huge, huge quote, and it's a huge um, acknowledgement of where medicine has finally come. They're just edging the door open to see, hey, there's something to this stuff in natural medicine, reducing inflammation through foods and through nutritional supplements. So as you know, pain can come in so many different uh, expressions, uh, different flavors. So expressions of pain would be a pulsing type of pain. That might happen in um, vascular types of pain, like migraines or even um, cluster headaches. Throbbing pain also in those headaches involving the vascular system and stretching of the nerves. Uh, flushing or what they call flashing where there's like a heat feeling like a hot flash, which is vasodilation due to inflammation prompting that vasodilation and stress. And flushing, by the way, whether it's from hormones or any other cause, is an independent risk factor for heart disease risk. Pain also, as many of you already know, can be shooting, it can be sharp, it can be uh, lancating, pressing, pulling. It can burn, it can tingle, it can be intense, it can be absolutely unbearable. It could feel cold, even heat. But freezing is not rare. Excruciating pain could be continuous or transient. And pain may also be associated with mental dysfunction like depression and anxiety. Pain syndromes trigger sympathetic nervous system responses in the body, which tend to be associated with the fight or flight response and stress. So we've gone over some of the expressions of pain. We've talked about how the Journal of Physiology and Medical Rehabilitation has concluded that nutrition is a, the most useful tool, actually, to improve overall health outcomes in patients with specific types of inflammation. So let's talk about specific conditions that result in pain, realizing that the origin of pain perception is through the nervous system. The nervous system runs on a bunch of neurons that detect pain and send pain signals to the brain, and brain, the brain then interprets those pain signals. And that's where the difference comes from person to person, where one person is seemingly tolerating an extraordinary amount of pain, and another person can't deal with even the smallest amount of injury. But the amount of injury, let's say you have a 25% disc protrusion in your lumbar spine, in your, in your low back, that 25% to someone with a high pain threshold may feel like 5%, but in someone else it may actually feel like 25%. That also has to do with how well that individual's physiology can cope with the inflammatory, the vascular, the neurologic, and other types of me metabolic um, involvement that uh, pain syndromes produce. So let me first go through a list of common conditions, and I'm gonna backtrack on some of them to talk about their pain syndromes. 
So we've got arthritis, and there are different kinds of arthritis. People will say with me, say to me, Dr. Wald, what is the best nutrient for arthritis? And I would say, well, is it a mildly inflammatory form of degenerative joint disease or osteoarthritis? Or is it the autoimmune rheumatoid arthritis where we have symmetrical joint space narrowing, which is very different than osteo? And is it maybe psoriasis where we have certain types of destructive changes to the fingers, for example, and other areas of the body? So my point is here that there are many types of, of arthritic inflammation and they're not all dealt with the same way. And how about endometriosis? I see many women with endometriosis and the pain here arises from inflammation that is involved in uh, tissue that is estrogen responsive located outside the uterus and even in the abdominal cavity. And when inflammation is triggered, it's triggered in all these areas and the pain can be quite excruciating. The goal of the treatment for this inflammation would be very different than arthritic treatment, whether it's from an autoimmune arthritis or osteoarthritis. For example, with endometriosis, we want to control that inflammation by the use of DIM, diiodomethionine, which is from cruciferous vegetables because DIM helps phase two liver detoxification, detoxify estradiol, which is the inflammatory trigger in endometriosis. The inflammatory trigger in arthritis, whether it's autoimmune or not, is not estrogen. In fact, the kind of inflammation involved in arthritis is a type that may not even involve the immune system in the case of osteoarthritis. So the nutrition, as you might imagine, would be different. If the arthritis was rheumatoid arthritis with an autoimmune uh, underpinning, then the inflammation would be associated with lowering the ESR. The ESR or erythrocyte sedimentation rate is a generalized inflammatory marker used by rheumatologists and other doctors. And red blood cells are involved in the ESR because ESR means erythrocyte sedimentation rate. So it means that erythrocytes, red blood cells, because of inflammation, get stuck together in test tubes in the labs and they're heavier when they're stuck together and they fall faster. So their sedimentation rate is faster. So basically, if we know that red blood cells are involved in in rheumatoid arthritis, but not in endometriosis, we know to use nutrition that helps to unstick those red blood cells, like omega-3 fatty acids, possibly vitamin E, C, folic acid. Um, Those are the basic things And then depending on what other findings show up in that person with uh, endometriosis, there would be different nutrition that would also be applied to them. So you can open up a book like the Encyclopedia of Natural Medicine, for example, and, and it will give you a protocol on how to treat a lot of these inflammatory conditions, but none of the protocols are based on individuals affected. So I wrote a book called The Encyclopedia of Anti-Aging Tests, at least to bring people's attention to the fact that if you want the right nutrition, you have to base it on your blood work. And you have to base it on the nutritional interpretation of your blood work based on scientific breakthroughs. And uh, that's what I've done in that particular book. If you have pain in the, in the neck and, and back, that may be from a combination of musculoskeletal pain, um, and it may involve discs, and it may involve joints in the back. 
So the nutrition for the joints, for example, would include glucosamine sulfate as long as that person is under 50, that's, that usually means they'll absorb it pretty well. But if you're 50 and over, you've got a 60% chance of malabsorbing your nutrition and taking glucosamine may not be the best choice. There are several other choices of bone builders, but they're so varied that it has to be based on not just one test, but all of the different tests and then the, and then the, the experiences of the person affected to tell us what the exact nutritional supplements would be. But having said that, we're going to go over some general ones in just a little while. Migraines. With migraines, we need to give the person biotin. We need to give the person fatty acids, B2, zinc, vitamin B1, but especially B2, activated B2, which is called riboflavin 5-phosphate. That's been shown to help migraines. And omega-3 fatty acids also are shown to help migraines, and they reduce the clotting risk the clotting that can occur from uh, migraines. Now, obesity. Obesity, as you might imagine, is difficult on the joints and the rest of the body. There isn't a system that isn't stressed from being overweight, particularly obese. But just from a degenerative point of view, having a lot of fat on a person is gonna put pressure on joints, joints are gonna break down, they'll be in pain particularly as the joints start to deform over time. People develop very poor ambulation, how they walk is very labored eventually. So if we're dealing with obesity and we wanna give the proper nutrition, well, we can start out by giving basic things, and I'll just throw a few out, like curcumin and ginger and boswellia and omega-3 fatty acids. But if the obesity is also associated with insulin resistance and high cholesterol, then that nutrition mixed with the nutrition I just mentioned would, would cause adjustments to the doses to be given to that person. Not to mention, as far as doses go, doses are based on the age of the patient, how well they absorb, how bad the degeneration is, how compliant they are, whether or not they're gonna put reasonable focus into foods or they're gonna look more to supplements or a combination. And then there's of course fibromyalgia. Well, how do you deal with that? Well, I have been for a lot of years. My very first book was uh, outlining 12 different types of fibromyalgia because there's not one type. They may have trigger points or tender points in 11 of 18 areas for greater than three months with a sleep disorder to give you a definition of fibromyalgia, but a person's fibro might, be, might develop from low thyroid, or the fibromyalgia might be caused from low adrenals, or hormonal problems, or heavy metals. So fibromyalgia is not a real diagnosis until it is a real diagnosis, until the cause or causes of what cause those generalized symptoms are uncovered. Make sense? So if you're having joint pain with fibromyalgia and it's found out that your thyroid is low, that's likely what you need to fix for you to feel better. As far as neurologic pain, when we're dealing with neuro neurologic pain, it can have different, uh, well, it can have different names and diagnoses like neurogenic pain, which is seen in multiple sclerosis and, and diabetes or neuropathic pain. And then there's dermatomal pain and then there's peripheral nerve pain, the lists go on and on. 
different types of nerves are involved uh, in many cases. And if that's true, then the nutrition needs to be adjusted accordingly. And of course, different foods and nutritional supplements are the nutrition that we're talking about. So there's nutrition to give for the rebuilding of nerves so they don't hyperreact. So they react normally with a reasonable amount of signaling to let you know that there's degeneration and not this horrific pain syndrome. And when uh, soft tissues like uh, muscles, ligaments, tendons, they also have to be uh, involved, including the bones and the joints, nutritionally speaking. So the nutrition has to involve all of the, the joint complex uh, and the pain syndrome uh, as an entirety, rather than just saying, I have pain in my back, just take chondroitin. If it's pain in your back with diabetes, you might need to do that, but also need to take lipoic acid, magnesium, uh, glutathione, and uh, chromium and uh, you know cinnamon, for example. If the pain is of a vascular origin, you know we might be dealing with vascular problems throughout the entire body or compression syndromes of certain blood vessels in the legs or in the you know any part of the body. So. All of that must be considered to figure out the dosing type, the timing of the nutrients and the foods, and the exercise and any other rehab that needs to be done. But the best rehab in the world for joints or ligaments or discs or vasculature or inflammation must be based on the needs of the person. Do you think I've emphasized that enough? So we can have injuries of the discs and the peripheral nerves. Those are the nerves that come off the spine uh, next to the discs in your back and then they extend out and then they go to all the organs and all the viscera. And we mentioned already diabetic, uh, diabetic uh, neuropathy, which is a pain that responds very well to alpha lipoic acid in the right dosing, along with omega-3 fatty acids, vitamin E, and those are the basic things to consider, given the unique health needs of that diabetic with neuropathic pain, the rest of the nutrition might be quite different than two or three other uh, men or women with the same diabetic neuropathy. And if one has pain upon motion, we're going to be guessing that we've probably got joint and ligament and probably muscular uh, tissues involved and injured, so the nutrition must cover those different uh, aspects of pain generation. So if it isn't the joints, by the way, then glucosamine isn't going to do much, you see. And then there's a kind of pain that most of you may not think about much, uh, and it's called referred pain. And what that means is simply that there is, let's say, degeneration in the gallbladder or liver area, and the pain that the person feels is not in their abdomen on the right side below their last rib or so, where the gallbladder and liver are, but they may feel pain in the shoulder or growing across the upper back because those there are nerves there that are shared by those organs. When those organs are irritated, the pain signals and the stretch signals go up those nerves and cause pain at those distant places in the back and in the shoulder. By the way, the most common cause of non-traumatic left shoulder pain is stomach cancer. And upper back pain, particularly in between the scapulas or the scapulae, uh, is gallbladder pain. But many different types of referred pain uh, happen uh, in individuals, and it's up to the astute doctor to see if this is what we're dealing with. Because if you treat the pain as if it's only in the shoulder, that would be like treating 
pain in the jaw and down the arm as just arm and jaw pain when it's actually a heart attack, you see. So it's very important to figure this out. If pain starts in the internal organs and then expresses itself in the joints that you feel, that's called visceral somatic pain. Visceral somatic, because it starts in the viscera and goes to the soma, which is the tissues other than the viscera. And then sometimes it'll go somatovisceral, where there'll be an injury on the outside of the body, but because the nerves on the outside are shared by deeper organ tissues and glands and other structures, then someone may have pain deeper in the body. And then there's infectious pain. And of course, all pain on one level or another involves inflammation. So let's segue for a second to tests, treatments, and natural approaches. But before I do, I want to introduce myself again. I'm Dr. Michael Wald. I've been practicing in the holistic healthcare field for over 30 years. And I'm grateful to uh, Dr. Gary Noll. Uh, he has allowed me to be the most, uh, I think, uh, most frequent guest on his show um, going back a bit. And finally, uh, I'm doing this show on the station and I'm very appreciative, feeling that I'm making a difference and learning a lot. So thanks to Gary. And uh, also, I want to thank all of you because uh, you're the ones that drive me to, to produce what I hope is, uh, is quality information to make a change in your life. So if you want to reach me to work with me in person or uh, via distance consultation, you can call me at 914-552-1442. That's 914-552-1442. And you can certainly email me as well, your show topics or questions, at info at blooddetective.com. And if you visit my website, you'll see tons of radio shows, tons of specials, particularly a new patient specials. Receive a copy of my Frankenfoods book for free. You'll see that on the landing or contact page of the website. And the website is drmichaelwall.com. Uh, just straight uh, drmichaelwall.com, no periods, no spaces. Okay, so let's talk about tests, treatments, and natural approaches. Well, we know that there are an endless amount of medications. Some of us have gotten quite a, a, a number of people in trouble, uh, even causing death with opioid addiction and the associated uh, medications like fentanyl. There is surgery to manage pain. There are injections like cortisone shots. There's physical therapy. There's the use of healing modalities or ergogenic aids like cold and heat. And there's electrical stimulation. Uh, one of my favorites is a TENS machine. For those of you who do not know what TENS machine is, T-E-N-S is transelectrical nerve stimulation. And there's another machine that's similar, goes a little deeper into the body called interferential. And these are devices that can be purchased on Amazon. And Amazon sells TENS machines for about $25. These are similar to the electrical devices that your, uh, let's say your chiropractor might use or a, a physical therapist. And they're quite easy to learn how to operate, which is why they're available to the public. So I would start with the TENS machine, take a look. It involves the placing of electrodes around the area of pain, but you need to do a little bit of research to use it correctly, okay? I would suggest if you purchase it, you'll save money by not purchasing at the provider who has to mark it up a bit because they have to stock it and sell it and all that. But um, it wouldn't be much more than that. And at least if you see a qualified healthcare provider, they can show you exactly how to set the machine. The settings are something that 
you know, I and physical therapists and chiropractors uh, learn uh, in school. And, uh, you know, there are months and months long courses to learn how to use these right. Let's talk about nutritional supplements for a bit. So the nutritional supplements should be based on your health history. That's obviously going to help me determine what you need nutritionally, even just by virtue of your age. If you're over 50, you're going to have malabsorption. So we might want to do malabsorption tests to figure that out. Because if you're taking a lot of these nutrients for pain and you malabsorb, it's not going to get in, at least not reliably. And you're going to wonder what you did wrong and you didn't do anything wrong. And then there are medications. The medications themselves can cause aches and pains depending on the medication. So check with your prescriber or more, more probably more useful to check with the, uh, the pharmacist. But medications can also have direct and indirect reactions on nutrients and even foods where you'd want to eat certain medications with foods or you'd want to avoid them depending on the medications. And of course, there are far too many to even begin to think about here other than I've mentioned in the past that you would not want to consume a, a nutrient that has um, grapefruit in it, for example, because grapefruit contains a chemical, a compound called naringenin, and naringenin uh, interferes with phase two liver detox of medication. So a person's not gonna get as much out of their medication if they are consuming um, grapefruits or nutrients containing grapefruits. There, there are other examples of this, which I have to take on a one by one case as I see different patients. Your level of exercise or lack thereof has everything to do with nutritional supplementation. I had a patient who came in for migraines, which we were managing fine. Then she started exercising very heavily and that takes away nutrition from the migraine. So she got her migraines back and she couldn't understand it. But we have to account for each thing needed. And uh, what I like to use are a variety of questionnaires that are full body questionnaires that help identify what organ and organ systems are off. So basically my mantra has been this. If one wants to successfully treat pain, whether it's acute or chronic pain, you need to give them the nutrients and the lifestyle changes and the exercise recommendations, um, sleep habit training. You need to give them what they need for their needs. Not simply say, here's a bottle that says joint repair on it. Because if the joint pain is from blood sugar stuff, that has to be managed. If the joint pain is from inflammation causing a slowing of blood flow to the joints that have degenerated. You can give all the glucosamine and conjoint you'd like, but if the circulation isn't there, it's just not gonna, just not gonna work. So the questionnaires help to narrow down things, questionnaires of every body system. I've used them for years. I also look at and consult the medical nutrition literature and other factors, uh, other ways of thinking about things over the course of my 30 plus years experience. And that helps narrow things down quite a bit as well. But some basic nutrition that might help would be Boswellia. Boswellic acid is highly anti-inflammatory. It helps to downregulate quite a number of inflammatory mediators. And so does uh, curcumin or turmeric, as you might know. It's a hot topic right now in a lot of areas. And we also want the, the turmeric with the biopterine or something similar that helps to 
guarantee proper bioavailability because if it's, it doesn't have a carrier, um, turmeric is about, it's maybe 5% absorbed. That's it. The rest is urinated out. And there's been enough studies to show this. Uh, ginger has anti-inflammatory effects. Glucosamine may be warranted. I've said it a few times in a negative light, only in the sense that we want to give it when it's needed. Uh, glucosamine hydrochloride I would give to a person over 50 because it contains hydrochloric acid and they need that. But glucosamine sulfate would be better for people who do not have stomach acid deficiencies. If you take the wrong form, it's just not going to work as well. And then various superfoods. I mean, I make four different superfoods. I call them detox one, two, three, and four. And they're different colors. You've seen these before. Red colored superfood, a green, purple, orange. And uh, But I've specifically formulated these over the years so that they target inflammation throughout the whole body. And then depending on what the patient's particular issues are, and uh, you know, the, what, what, the, what the origins of their pain issues are, for example, I might give them different amounts of each of these detox um, superfoods powders for the best result. And then the use of omega-3 fatty acids, not omega-6. Never, never, never take omega-6. Vitamin D. Well, I, I can't speak on that enough. A vitamin D is strongly anti-inflammatory. It is not going to cure your inflammatory process in and of itself, but it is a, it is a player and it is fat soluble. So it hangs around a bit and that means it can do its job. And of course, you've heard of the use of probiotics, but maybe you just heard about them for gut issues. Well, even if someone does have a gut inflammation issue, Probiotics reduces the inflammatory mediators in the gut that often leak through the gut wall into the bloodstream, releasing inflammatory mediators, making pain syndromes worse. So consuming probiotics, particularly the right ones, will help to break down toxins in the intestinal tract that would normally have escaped triggering inflammation. And then of course there's SAM-E, a methylator, which uh, is of use in um, a good number of inflammatory conditions, not all. The same with garlic. I mean, you wouldn't give garlic to someone who's uh, in pain who already has uh, is on blood thinners and white willow bark as well. In terms of the dose, the doses are tough because you can follow the doses on the bottles, but the dose must match the metabolic rate of the patient and their lean body mass in order to really make a difference and to be based upon the proper dose for that person. Because someone much larger than you has a different body composition and they're gonna need something completely different than you. So a body composition or a bioimpedance test, which I've mentioned before, is uh, something that I recommend to all patients. In addition to that, using vitamin C measurements is critical. Vitamin C urine levels are the most accurate and you want to have some vitamin C show up in your urine. If you don't, you're deficient in your body. The body only tends to store about 2,500 milligrams. So in order for you to maximize that amount at each moment and to combat the stress of chronic pain, which lowers the levels, is you need to take it a couple times a day. But I first advise that people do a vitamin C flush 
where they take about a half a teaspoon of a buffered powdered form of vitamin C, and then they do that every 30 minutes until they get diarrhea, and then they stop. The amount of vitamin C to take is not as much as it took to get loose stool, but two-thirds of that would be the optimal dose. In addition, we want to make sure that there is no calcium present in the urine because calcium that exits bone into the bloodstream, the body's got to put that somewhere, right? So it puts it in the breast tissue causing um, calcium-laden breast cysts, which are precursors to breast cancer. And the calcium also gets stored in uh, joints causing arthritis and arteries causing atherosclerosis. And the calcium, and it's not so known to do this uh, in the public, but we know in physiology that calcium causes disruption of of brain patterns and and uh, perception of pain and inflammation in the brain. And calcium is involved in blood clotting mechanisms, which could cause blood to become viscous or thicker, which would be associated with inflammation and lack of response to nutrition if the blood is too viscous. And then in terms of nutrition, well, in testing actually, there is what's known as a lactic acid level. Lactic acid is an inflammatory acid. It's generally produced when red blood cells are too sticky from inflammation. They've lost their surface area for absorption or most of it. There's a lack of oxygen on a cellular level. An anaerobic situation gets set up and then inflammation just goes haywire. So there is nutrition to lower lactic acid levels by improving the mitochondrial function, which is a part of the cell that has to do with energy production and working better to get rid of toxins. You know, I've said before on my shows, particularly the detox deception show that I have up here, is that there will be no simple detox plan for everybody. The detox plan must be based on, are we detoxing lactic acid? Are we detoxing estrogen? Um, Are we detoxing bacterial end products in the bowel from leaky gut or um, small intestine bacterial overgrowth? So these are some very key considerations when figuring things out. Now, if this sounds a little complicated to you, it is. It's not easy, but it gets easier when you do it. Best, of course, to sit down with someone who knows what they're doing, experience with all of this. Once you get taught how to manage yourself, then you do that. Because that is is a common uh, uh, end result of at least the kind of education that I do, teaching people to take care of themselves. You've, hold the old, you've heard that old adage before, right? Uh, give a man a fish, feed him for a day. Teach him how to fish, feed him for a lifetime. And that, of course, includes the ladies. We have to do the same there, too. So, in addition, um, we're also talking about nitric oxide. So, nitric oxide is a blood test that can reveal the level of nitric acid in the blood. I'm sorry, nitric oxide. Now, nitric oxide dilates blood vessels, makes them larger, which helps circulation, which gets nutrition where it needs to go. So I would order baselines of these to see what your levels are, and then the dose of your nutrition would be prescribed accordingly. We'd also know how much of this is from an acid-base problem, inflammation problem, vascular problem, neurologic problem with the exam. 
we'd really have a, um, a very thorough uh, review of things. And most docs in traditional medicine, you know, I, they just don't know nutrition. So um, you're only going to get the, the, the pain meds offered there. And if you've had those and it's not working and the PT doesn't seem to be working, consider that your nutritional status is subpar and needs to be increased and improved so that you get out of pain. But you want to get out of pain as a side effects a side effect of improving the degeneration by increasing the regeneration of the joints. And again, that's only going to happen through good nutrition, rest, and sleep. And of course, the right uh, PT. Okay? Now, I can go further with testing, but the testing that should be considered is figured out based on a careful and detailed conversation or consultation that I would have with a person. And then their unique circumstances will determine what other tests, if any, are needed. Tests are not needed all the time, but they are needed often, particularly if the person has chronic pain. So let's talk about exercise, then then anti-inflammatory foods. So when it comes to exercise, there are lots of different exercises. There's walking, there's hiking, there's swimming, there's riding a bike, there's yoga or Tai Chi. So the kind of exercise mostly should have to do with, does the exercise appropriately rehab the tissues in question? So without knowing you, I couldn't know the best exercise or exercises to do. And some of you are thinking that, yeah, I know exercise, I know what to do. Yeah, I'll just do this, I'll just do that. The exercise for injury rehab needs to be figured out by someone who is trained because otherwise you really run the risk of hurting yourself. Okay, let's talk about anti-inflammatory foods and let's talk about ways in which you can be successful eating to manage chronic pain. The first thing would be to eat together with family or friends and plan your meals. Eating together with family or friends makes it fun and it's a distraction from the actual food. But planning your meals could help you plan meals that are not inappropriate for you. Also, figuring out what your cooking style is. We don't want it to include lots of fried foods. We don't want to include lots of overcooked foods, okay? And we want to keep healthy foods at home in the house. If someone wants to eat healthy, they have to have healthy foods in the house. Some of my patients say, well, that's so difficult. I'm like, is it difficult having the unhealthy foods in the house? So just switch them up. You got to have the healthy foods there. Otherwise, it's gonna, you'll be undermining yourself. Now, as far as your treats, maybe it's M&Ms or whatever it is. If you have a treat, enjoy your treat and have a certain amount of, the, of that treat and eat that treat nice and slow. Another factor is portion control. Making sure that you use, let's say, a small plate and that you put less food on that and then you chew your food really, really well. And if you could, drink a large glass of water and wait 15 minutes before you eat. That'll stretch your gut out and those stretch reflexes will trigger the hypothalamus in the brain's feeding area and you will be fuller faster. So... I think you might realize that some people are emotional eaters, right? 
Well, the thing to get is that food cannot take care of a person's emotional needs. It just doesn't do it. What happens is they go to a food where they feel sad and they eat that food. They associate that food with feeling happier once they have it. And then that leads you down to a vicious cycle. Okay? So the thing to do is consider listening to my radio show on emotional eating. You'll find that under the blog section on my website. You can search emotional eating under the search bar on the homepage at drmichaelwall.com. If you cannot find something you're looking for on any topic, email me at info at blooddetective.com. Then you can call me at 914-552-1442. It's a really good summary of how to beat emotional eating. I mean, the bottom line though, however, is if you're standing in front of that refrigerator and you're going crazy to eat, I mean, and this is emotional, an example of emotional eating, you must, you must tough it and walk away. If you do that enough times, you break the pattern. And that's something insight that psychology has been, you know, using for years and years. It's a desensitization technique and it works. Try not to eat because you're upset. Try doing activity that's relaxing like a walk or yoga or do an activity that brings you pleasure like reading a magazine, drink some water or tea with lemon or lime and that should help your digestive tract work much better. Okay, let's talk about some specific foods and food categories and many of you will find that you might eat this way already or that you know this. And that may be true. And let's assume you are doing it all right from a food perspective. With degenerative changes in the body, you, you, you need the big guns, which might be nutritional supplements, which are concentrated forms of specific compounds that can target these areas. So whole grains like brown rice, quinoa, couscous, millet. Okay, millet's the most alkaline of all grains. Beans, nuts, seeds, Plant foods of all types, unless, of course, you're allergic or intolerant to any of the foods I'm talking about, don't have them. Black beans are particularly good for pain reduction and tissue healing. Kidney beans, walnuts, almonds, pecans, sunflower, and pine nuts. I love pine nuts. <laughs> then, fruit. Uh, berries, pomegranates, cherries, and avoid fruit juice because Lots of sugar, as you know, causes an insulin spike, which promotes inflammation, which promotes weight gain, which can worsen um, neuropathic pain caused by blood sugar problems. But, but virtually any symptom can be triggered by sugar, particularly if it's in excess. The last I checked, the average individual consumed close to 195 pounds of sugar a year. I'm not consuming any of it, so someone's consuming a whole lot more. <laughs> Vegetables, yellow and red and orange peppers and tomatoes. Um, now, some of you are thinking, wait a minute, peppers and tomatoes, are we getting into the nightshade area? And I thought that was not good. Well, if you respond uh, badly when you eat nightshade plants, then don't have them. But most people really don't, uh, but some do. So you'll have to survey that for yourself. Spinach, kale, Arugula, one of my favorites, arugula, Brussels sprouts, olive oil. All of these are helpful for inflammation in general, unless you have an allergy to them, unless you have some sort of uh, intolerance to them, or you may not uh, digest them. 
If you don't digest them, that you may feel bad when you eat them, which is different than an allergy, which is different than an intolerance. Okay? An intolerance might be you have a low level of pancreatic enzymes, you don't digest the food and there are problems. So that intolerance can be corrected with the proper uh, enzymes. So let's talk about fish. So fish is, um, it's a catch-22. Most of it has mercury, and even fish that's grown on farms tends to be quite mercury toxic. So you get the wild salmon as much as you can, realizing that it's no perfect solution. So various nutritional supplements will act as powerful chelators and detoxifiers so that your body can deal with eating the fish, okay? Um, chicken, non-fried chicken would be uh, fine to eat. Farm-raised meat is best if you're going to eat meat, but realizing that red meat has high levels of arachidonic acid in it, which is one of the most inflammatory elements in the diet. Herbs and spices might include cinnamon, ginger, garlic, turmeric, rosemary, cayenne, and black pepper. Unless you have an intolerance, they're all very good for anti-inflammatory effects. But you'd want to eat less of certain other foods. You'd want to eat less red meat, processed meats, soybeans, corn, uh, corn oil, and other oils, instant rice, high fructose uh, corn syrup, uh, and soda. Uh, soda, Coca-Colas, with phosphorus, they pull calcium out of bones. That calcium goes all over the place. It disrupts function. And let's speak briefly about some tests that are used beyond the ones I just mentioned in traditional medicine for assessing pain. So there's the x-ray. Everyone's had x-rays probably. They've heard about x-rays and no one wants them, but sometimes they're needed. And even if you need an MRI, which is a test for soft tissue, as opposed to a CT scan, which is better for solid tissues, many insurance forms, uh, companies and hospitals insist that you have x-rays first that are limited in what they show you, and then they approve the soft tissue tests like MRI. Now, as you might know, x-rays involve radiation. Uh, also, so does a DEXA scan, which measures bone density, quite a lot of uh, radiation. And CT scans, let's say of the chest or abdomen, are equivalent to several hundred x-rays. I did a show called Radiation All Around Us. Again, you can search that under the search bar on my website at drmichaelwall.com. Now, the reason I did that show is because I learned that upwards of about 8 or 10% of cancers are from medically prescribed radiation, and some of it's just unnecessary. Having said that, but I think the bottom line is that radio show I mentioned, uh, Radiation All Around Us, I reviewed for an hour uh, medical abstracts right from the medical journals that uh, proved that various nutrients, including, including antioxidants, even if they were provided to the patient post-exposure, reduces the body burden of radiation. And this evidence is so obvious and so clear that uh, it amazes me that it's, it's basically ignored uh, in, in medicine. I mean, at the very least, before someone gets exposed, they should have them prep with an antioxidant solution before. 
So I use my superfood detox powders one, two, three, and four. I have my patients take them before they're exposed to radiation to reduce the dose. And then as you might know, an MRI, uh, magnetic, uh, magnetic um, resident imaging, uh, will be a non-radiation technique, and that's mostly for soft tissue. So let's just review that again. CT scans are mostly for bony tissues and visceral tissues. And MRI is for soft tissues. Most common, it can be used like CT, but it may not be as revealing, uh, but more revealing in other things, and is used to image the spine and all the soft tissue structures there. And an X-ray doesn't show any soft tissue, it just shows the bones. But if the bones are displaced, then you know that the t discs and other ligaments and tendons that, su that support the uh, spinal column uh, may be in jeopardy and degenerating. It's never too late, in my opinion, to repair tissues, unless, of course, they're in that category of there's so much degeneration and short of, you know, a surgery or orthoscopic surgery, there's no way that joint is going to recover. Even if the degenerative joint did recover, sometimes they recover in ways that uh, reinforce the lack of motion and the stiffness, which is why PT and or chiropractic or possibly acupuncture should be used along with whatever rehab you might have. Now you might say, well, I don't have rehab. I have you know some back stuff and some hand stuff and some elbow stuff. That's fine. When I work with a person like that, uh, I give specific types of exercises that, that generally they can do on their own. And then if you complement that with the right nutrition, you see, the tissues, the soft tissues and the bones, they can't respond as well to the rehab unless the nutrition is ideal. I mean, think of it this way. If someone's getting a chiropractic adjustment on their back and they're undernourished, they're not going to hold that adjustment nearly as well than that if until they're they're well nourished. It just won't happen. So lots of people that I see, they're very concerned about why their chronic health problems have been here so long, but they've gotten one or more of these these categories of, of um, importance for pain reduction uh, either confused. In other words, the person must be knowledgeable of anti-inflammatory foods. I gave you some of them, but you may have different anti-inflammatory foods and tests can help reveal that. And they need to know what the inflammatory foods are. Also, even the most basic approach to pain must involve some knowledge in the basic nutritional supplements. You gotta know about vitamin D, omega-3s, probiotics, even the Mediterranean diet, like polic acid, probiotics, the resveratrol, digestive enzymes, let me speak about a few of these for just a, a couple more minutes. Digestive enzymes are very important for joint repair because some of them make their way into the bloodstream and then they digest the uh, inflammatory degenerative tissues that are floating around. And also they'll bring the blood levels up of digestive enzymes and that will circulate to the joints, let's say, and help to rehab them. So digestive enzymes that have both stomach acid and pancreatic enzymes are generally the best ones. You can't take these, however, the digestive enzymes, if you've ever had any ulcers or have any active ulcers or gastro or gastritis. Esophagitis, that would be okay, but again, under supervision because the benefits of the enzymes may outweigh any adverse effects, which sometimes happen. 
and then we simply make adjustments and idealize uh, everything for each person. And then there is the is resveratrol. So resveratrol is a complex compound. You've heard about it in red wine. Uh, you couldn't drink enough red wine to get enough to help pain other than the wine dulling your pain. <laughs> but resveratrol is very strongly anti-inflammatory and uh, it is part of um, joint rehab, musculoskeletal rehab, any pain syndrome rehab. Uh, probiotics I, met- I mentioned earlier in the show, what they tend to be very good at is to uh, sequester or break down inflammatory mediators in the bowel so that they're lo- lost in the, in the bowel movement, okay? Garlic may help because garlic uh, thins out the blood, increasing circulation. It itself is an immune modulator, a detoxifier, and anti-inflammatory. And probably I'll mention omega-3 fatty acids one last time because of their importance. Basically, you want to have a certain amount of omega-3 fatty acids based on your lean body mass, which is determined by a a bioimpedance test or a body, uh, I'm sorry, or a a body composition test. And then by dosing the right amount of omega-3s to you, you'll maximize the omega-3 fatty acid anti-inflammatory effects. Now you've heard me say anti-inflammatory a couple of times, like why would I have several supplements that are doing the same thing? Well, you might need several different supplements to awaken a particularly broken inflammatory pathway, one that's hyperactive. But other nutrients and foods, they activate different inflammatory pathways. So you must have the proper amount of synergistic nutrients and foods. So whether they're foods, which are known as macronutrients, or whether they're micronutrients um, like supplements, they are essential for proper healing of tissue. So if you're tired of having pain, chronic pain all the time, you're putting up with it, it might be keeping you from walking or living your life, then I would invite you to take a look at this, all this information, maybe listen to it again, and to seek out someone who can give you a comprehensive approach. Sometimes people react to simple changes, but if you've got chronic pain that's over four weeks old, you might wanna consider meeting someone like myself uh, or someone similar. So if you'd like to schedule with me at a distance or in person, you can do that by calling 914-552-1442. Look on the website. Like I mentioned, there's lots of of topics there, lots of videos. You can search things on that homepage at drmichaelwald.com. And that is me. And you've been listening to Ask the Blood Detective. And I want to wish you all a happy and a healthy new year. And I'll see you on the next show. Show you a statue. Show-